Welcome to Magic Time post-game edition for February 21st. The Moncton Magic took on the Cape Breton Highlanders. And uh, a 111-103 victory. I'm Scott Squires. My broadcast partner on Moncton Magic Live Games is Dave Tingley. Dave, joining us as per usual for the post-game. We are live on location at St. Louis Burn Grill. We're at the Mountain Road location, but the podcast sponsored by our good friends at St. Louis Burn Grill, Moncton, and yep, visit them on Facebook. And Dave, uh, the Moncton Magic, they've had a way of bouncing back and getting uh, a little bit of retribution, if you will. The St. John's Edge beat them at home. They got that one back. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they had a situation where they lost to the Riptide, and then a few days later, they beat the Riptide tonight. <laughs> yeah. Cape Breton Highlanders gave Moncton only their second home loss last week on Valentine's Day, but uh, it was Moncton breaking the hearts of Cape Breton tonight. Your thoughts overall on the game before we dig in to a little more meat and potatoes. Well, yeah, and i got to be on point with my analysis because the brain trust for the team is, of course, right off to the right here. So what I saw was, look, a Cape Breton team that came out doing Cape Breton things. They're tough. They, uh, they, they D up. Uh, and they just came out shooting the ball like mad. And every mistake the Magic made was compounded um, by, um, by a, uh, by a three-pointer at the other end. By uh, by the Cape Breton Highlanders, and every time Magic missed a layup, and it was Denzel Taylor early, and we'll talk a lot about him, and Freddie McSwain, who we'll also talk a lot about, missed some bunnies. There. Five bunnies in the first half, really easy ones. One by Billy White was missed. All five times they pushed the ball down the floor, made a three, just made him pay, and it was everything was rolling. But kind of the second quarter, the newest Magic, who we'll talk about, came in and changed things a little bit, and then the Magic started just clawing back, clawing back, and the second half was just. Was uh, was really a pleasure to watch. It was well played. Yeah, so many storylines that we could dig into tonight. And you mentioned the newest man, member of the Month of Magic, Brad States, and uh, the minutes that he played. I talked about it on the broadcast, but I thought they were very valuable minutes. He kind of came in and had a calming presence in the middle. He was able to hit some of those low post layups that were not falling for his teammates, and that kind of helped settle things down. everybody down. But you mentioned that second quarter. The Cape Breton Highlanders at one point had built uh, up to a 13-point lead with just a couple of minutes left in the quarter. And we talked about on the broadcast how Moncton, you know, really wanted to get some stops and finish that quarter strong and go into the half on an up note. And they did. They really got on a bit of a run at the end. Took that 13-point lead that Cape Breton had. It shaved it down to just a two-point lead for the Highlanders going into the half. And then... Second half, uh, a much different tale for the Moncton Magic. What was the biggest difference for Moncton that you saw in the second half? Uh, well, it was it was it was just it was more of a um, more of an attitude, really. I think that changed and emblematic, most of all, by Denzel Taylor. And Coach said earlier, you know, he really reacted to. He got a quick hook, and for a good reason. He had two gorgeous Billy White setups, and Billy still finished the game with six assists setting guys up, but missed a couple of gorgeous, uh, uh, just set up on a platter for him, and he missed a, a couple layups, and Coach said he came out, and he reacted really well. He was steamed, and he played like an absolute animal on the glass and defensively in the second half, and guys really followed suit. Freddie McSwain and Wayne McCullough played a lot better in the second half, and I mean, on and on, the list goes down, but uh, really, that was the thing. And we know that Denzel Taylor, like many of the Moncton Magic, uh, had some injury situations earlier in the season. But for my money, Denzel Taylor, since he suffered the injury, which he's been playing 
uh, since then. But tonight for me was the first time in a long time that Denzel Taylor was Denzel Taylor. He had yeah. spring in his step. He was aggressive. He was, you know, shrugging things off when foul calls were going against me. He had a couple of sequences where there was foul calls on him. He kind of had a big grin on his face looking over toward the bench. But again, yeah. Denzel was just Denzel tonight. It's, it's the tippins. The tippins. I mean, I, I say it on the air whenever he gets going. It's death taxes and Denzel on the offensive glass. And he, and he had those couple tippins that really got him going. And then, I mean, uh, Gentry had kind of a, at the moment I thought, oh, that's a questionable decision to Denzel on the break, but he gathered himself well and looked confident with the ball in his hands. And Coach obviously was going, oh, these guys don't know what they're talking about, so I'm going to come over and help him out. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was he misses us and wants to come over or he heard us say something that he was like his save, ears. I better save this podcast. His ears perked up, but uh, another uh, chance to speak to Coach Joe Salerno on the post-game podcast. We appreciate Coach joining us. And look, Coach, uh, you talked last week about what a big swing game that was on Valentine's Day against the Cape Breton Highlanders, you know, a team that plays in your division. Uh, you could have created a little separation, but they got you guys in the end. A bounce back tonight, getting the victory. Uh, overall, how did you see it, and what did you like most about your guys' effort tonight? Okay, first of all, I actually I ordered my food about five minutes ago, so I figured, you know what, let's go do this podcast. You know, by the time I'm done, my food should be here. So, um, no, I, I, it was it was a big bounce back win for us. I mean, we dropped you know two straight here, which is something that you know is fairly rare for us. We had that little four game slide on the last Ontario trip, but uh, you know we've only lost back to back one other time this year. So. Um, I thought it was a good back-to-back win. I thought the guys played really, really well in the second half, and, and so many guys had big games tonight. You know, for the first time all season, first time in probably a few seasons, I actually read about four or five guys' stat lines to the entire team in our post game because, you know, we, we want our guys like, hey, recognize a lot of guys are putting in work and you feel good for your teammates, you know, and uh, it was really great to, to do that and recognize a few guys in the locker room. So a lot of guys had great games. All season long, for various reasons, at times it's been a patchwork quilt trying to work guys into the lineup, trying to deal with injuries or, or players moving on, what have you. Tonight, uh, Marcus Lewis is not available because of a lower body situation, and Nick Evans suffering that right arm injury uh, is going to be out probably a couple of weeks. What was your message to the guys before the game with another situation where it's next player up? You know, there, there was no message because it's almost so common <laughs> for us over the whole course of the season. Uh, you know, we really didn't we didn't discuss it at all. You know, Marcus was actually, you know, uh, he practiced yesterday. He had a little bit of, a, of an abdominal issue, and then today. Uh, at shooter on actually he, he tweaked his back so he was a last minute scratch and actually Evans you know yesterday was the first I'd heard of uh, of the wrist and we got him ready to get an x-ray and a CAT scan um, but you know like I said for us we've been dealing with it all season no big deal you know I actually I'm, I'm very pleased that we picked up Brad States when we did I thought he contributed tonight when we were missing Evans um, so no like I said I man, it was a total team effort tonight and a lot of guys stepped up in other players absence Something else that caught my eye as well, and I know that Dave and I talked about it on the broadcast, but some of the passing that was shown, and, and three guys in particular, Trey Kell, who has really solidified your point guard position, but the veterans, Billy White and Corey Almond as well, they were really passing the ball and facilitating for their teammates. Uh, what were you kind of thinking on the sideline when you saw these guys just dropping dimes left and right? 
you know, some of the time I thought we were overpassing, to yeah. be honest with you. Yep, you know, where we passed on what would have been a, a decent shot for what we thought may be a better shot and turned into either a turnover or, or you know, not a great look. Uh, I was just really pleased with the, the tempo in which we played tonight. We got up 92 shots tonight. I thought the ball was moving. Um, we've been we've been working on that the last couple of days, playing a little more up tempo, a lot more kind of drag screens and transition, and making two three dribble reads and then move the ball. You know, Trey Trey Kell has been let's be honest, he's been outstanding. I mean, since we picked him up, he's been really really good on almost all aspects of the game. Uh, Billy was too passive tonight you know Billy uh, wasn't looking for his offense tonight um, he needs to be more aggressive than what he was tonight and I thought Corey Allman just played right in the flow of the game and I mean it was one of his best games of the season you know the way he shot the ball the looks that he got um, he was extremely efficient so like I said overall it was a, it was a good look for us and I thought the ball was moving yeah we said it on the broadcast too about you guys overpassing a little bit but I thought you did really well in the second half and a guy we haven't mentioned yet Wayne McCullough was a lot better in the second half too Wayne was the attacking the closeouts instead of moving the ball shot fake move the ball shot. you attack those closeouts Trey always does a good job of that but Wayne did it and uh, uh, Corey did it all night and and, uh, and that really I thought really facilitated a lot of stuff for you guys yeah I did Wayne, Wayne struggled a little bit in the first half you know Wayne, Wayne's been struggling with his jumper for a large portion of the season and it's something he knows it's something he's working on um, you know for him it was funny we just talked before the game about what's been working well for Wayne and it's like Wayne in the flow of the game attacking the rim attacking the paint he can get to the rim and finish and you know what he does on the offensive glass he does so many little things to help our team win ball games it's, it's important to have him on the floor so I uh, know Wayne along with a lot of the guys was was really good especially in the second half tonight. What's funny with Wayne I said it when we watched the opposing coach when Wayne, Wayne gets most of gets opposing coaches of their seat most often because he he does such a good job moving laterally defensively with a with with a, with a ball handling. No, corner. there's not. There really well, is. I, I, I was talking about these two fellas. <laughs> We're live, normal. We're live, normal. Well, We're hi everybody. <laughs> Great win tonight. <laughs> That's normal, McConnell, one of the Magic fans. So he does such a good job moving laterally that. Guys, he, he guys can't get around him, and they keep, and they keep accepting the contact. But he, he moves his feet so well that he doesn't get into guys. He just slides with them, and uh, the guys are, are asking for calls and not getting them. I've seen just seen that all year long from Wayne. Yeah, he did a great job tonight too, staying yeah. straight up, you know, with the arms oh, and absorbing contact and, and remaining uh, straight up. So. Wayne is just a, a very integral piece of what we do, stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but he's been doing it all year. And just before you came over uh, to join us on the podcast, we were talking about uh, the Minister of Defense, who has so many different wrinkles to his game, but Denzel Taylor. And I made the comment, for my money anyway, this is the best that Denzel has looked since he had that bit of an injury situation, has been working himself back into the game shape and every other shape. What did you see from Denzel tonight in, in terms of where he is in 100% Denzel at the beginning of the season to where he is now. Actually, I, I think Denzel was coming off a pretty good game in Halifax the other night. Yeah, he you know, was. he had eight points, eight yeah. boards. He finished around the rim. Uh, he had a tough start tonight, you know, and, and it's we've talked a lot the last two days to everybody on our roster about, about we got to hold ourselves accountable, whether it's turnovers or missed bunnies or, you know, shots we should be making or defensive rotations. And, um, you know, I'm trying to get that message across to guys. And Denzel's normally the last guy in the world you have to get a message across to. He does his job <laughs> extremely well. But, you know, he got a pretty quick pull tonight, and uh, I think he responded well to it. But, you know, Denzel's 100% healthy. 
he was tremendous tonight uh, on the offensive glass and just how active he was. So it's really nice to see Denzel kind of hopefully coming back into form here. And, um, you know, we, we expect those type games from, from Denzel. And he must know he's he's got to, to be aggressive on the offensive. He's got to be some sort of a threat. He can't be all one end of the floor the way he kind of has been for a month or so, really, until you're right. He was great in Halifax. I thought he was really aggressive, and he maintained that tonight. Yeah, I think Denzel knows that's how he can contribute on the offensive end. And maybe it's not even him scoring, but him coming up with an offensive rebound for a new possession for us. Um, you know, and, and again, tonight he had a lot of bounce to him. Oh. You know, we played up above the rim a lot tonight, whether it was tips or we're coming down with rebounds. So, like I said, man, Denzel was great, and that's exactly the type of guy we need Denzel to be uh, to be successful, especially uh, in the absence of, uh, of Nick Evans tonight. You know, Denzel really stepped up. I always like to talk about the degrees of separation in sports, and certainly in basketball. We talked about it on the broadcast, but uh, Troy Jackson Jr., yeah. the coach tonight filling in for uh, Bernardo Fitzgonzalez, who wasn't available. Uh, we chatted with him before the game, Dave and I, and he told us some pretty neat stories. So lots of connections. You know, he played with Corey Allman, won some championships with the Rochester Razor Sharks, but he was very happy to tell us uh, that he was coaching tonight against his former coach. You coached him with the Vermont Frost Heaves. Uh, what are your memories of those days, Coach? Yeah, no, it was a really, really cool experience. I was really, really happy. First, I was happy for Troy when he got the job. Um, you know, and then to be able to coach against him tonight, you know, I was I was telling Dave earlier, it's the first time I've ever, I've ever coached in a game against one of my former players, you know, and uh, it made me feel old, to be honest with you. But I was really happy for, for Troy. You know, Troy, we used to call him Action Jackson, right? He was about as animated and intense of a player as I've ever coached. And... Um, you know, it was just, it's cool to see him in a different light. And, you know, we talked a little bit before the game. And, you know, as soon as he got the assistant job in Cape Breton this year, you know, I, I gave him a call and we, and we talked. And I was just really happy for him because Troy's a good guy. He's an extremely competitive guy. Um, but it was just a, a really cool experience. And, um, you know, talked to him before the game, gave him a big hug before the game. And I'm, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm really happy that uh, he's looking to do this as a profession. He has a high IQ. And this is the first step for him. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably give him a little grief, though, that, that he picked up his first loss against me. So I'll remember that. What impressed me about him before the game was he came right to Scott and I and in a very friendly, open way was like, make sure you get across on the broadcast how happy we are for Bruce and his opportunity. Yeah. And we're a family and we're cheering for him. And he was super positive, wasn't making any excuses about tonight. He was really excited about the opportunity. And, it was really impressive the way he talked about himself and his team. Well, that's good because, I mean, one of the things, you know, kind of with Troy is, you know, and I actually want to kind of have this conversation with him. You know, Troy is, like I said, he's an intense guy. He was a, a, a very, you know, he's come he's from a pretty tough neighborhood. He's from North Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, now that he's making the move into the coaching world, just, you know, being able to, you know, handle yourself as a professional, you know, all the time. And that's an important piece of this game. So, you know, I'm sure Troy and I will talk a lot over the offseason, I hope, because uh, I'd like to see him continue to pursue this. But uh, good guy, smart player. Uh, you know, I hope this continues to, to work out for him. He definitely wanted to get the win tonight because of the connection with you, because of the connection with Corey. But I saw you guys had a nice embrace at the end. Uh, can you share any of what you might have said to Troy? When you were shaking hands and, and having that embrace at the end of the game? Yeah, I, I just told him I was really proud of him. And uh, I told him, you know, anytime he ever needs to call me, you know, for anything when it comes to this this coaching business, you know, whether it's this season or next season or this summer, I said, you be, make sure you give me a call. I'm always, I'm always there for you. 
So, I just want to hit, hit in a couple more guys that we haven't talked about. We need to talk about a couple more guys before we leave. Uh, one's Freddie McSwain, and Freddie's really Freddie's been all over his own social media tonight. He's pretty proud of himself for his first professional double double, which he should be. Um, he was uh, after a tough start. It was, you talk about Denzel's tough start. He had. So you said after the game, just dunk it, man, would you? And he took that to heart, I think, in the second half, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Freddie was really good tonight. And, you know, he was one of the guys we kind of called out in the locker room after the game. And I actually said, you know, we got to give Freddie some props on his first pro double-double. And um, he's a guy that just plays so high above the rim. And, yeah, when he misses layups, there's nothing more frustrating. It's like Freddie just just dunked the basketball, you know, and uh, he's capable of doing that. But, he was really good tonight. You know, he's he's starting to really knock down jumpers consistently. Yeah. So I mean, if he can provide us a little bit of an inside-outside threat, you know, that that will go a long ways for us. But he was really active on the glass tonight too. And um, you know, I think when Billy, like I said, was was pretty passive tonight. Um, you know, Freddie kind of stepped up in that absence a little bit. So it was great. He brought great energy to the game. And, and man, what an exciting player, man. I mean, I think one of those dunks he had was. You talk about it guys was a, hating it rims, was the, right? It was the Vince Carter elbow in the rim one, that first one. He yeah. could have got that going. Just an incredible athlete and, and really good kid. I really enjoy Freddie McSwain, and he was he was really great for us off the bench tonight. And, and Scott and uh, and Scott was saying there that um, what were you saying about him during the game? I had to, I had a thought in my mind, and now I've gone out and now live on my podcast. I'm getting annoyed with myself. Pick it up. I'll come back. To there was, sure. I mean. Listen, we all know how athletic and how much of a high flyer Freddie is, but one of the things that I talked about tonight, and you just talked about it, was how comfortable he's getting with that jump shot from almost anywhere, from close in, from mid-range, even from outside the arc. And you can see that that's really challenging defenders because when they see him coming in with the ball, I think their defender's first initial thought is, okay, he's coming right at me, i got to defend it, but he's able to step back and hit that jump shot now is that something that you've asked him to work on, or is this something he's taking on himself? It's something I'm trying to continue to instill confidence in him with. And, you know, it's, it's me saying, like, hey, if you're open and you're in rhythm, that's okay to take that shot here, you know? And it just, it's just going to make you a dual-threat player. And, you know, Freddie being in his first year as a pro, he's trying to continue to develop his game and, you know, becoming a perimeter player. And really, I mean, he's a three at the next level, at the next professional level, his size. He's really a three. So for him to, to continue to build confidence, his jump shot, it's great for us. He's knocking them down, so I'm happy with it. And I'm going to continue to say, hey, if it's there, take that shot. And uh, he's been good. And you talked about it in the previous game where how, how breathtaking it is him turning that corner going right. And, Scott, the, what I was thinking before that I forgot was, was you tonight going how enjoyable it is just to watch him get a defensive rebound. Yeah. Just like – Whoa! Like it takes like just him alone getting a defensive rebound. He's so high above the rim. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, I've seen probably a million defensive rebounds in my life, and and his kind of take your breath away. It kind of makes you raise your eyebrows. Like, wow, I can't believe he got up that high. But him turning that corner, that's actually a little little set action we yeah. run, and and you know it's been it's worked a few times over the last couple games. And when he puts his head down and really goes, it's tough to stay in front of him. And the other guy that we got to mention, I mean, I can't go to the podcast without is is Kaliste. I mean, he played the second most minutes tonight or I guess third most close with Corey 33 minutes and he was he was excellent defensively all night and distributed the ball a little bit made a couple shots after a cold start but he was the more the thing that struck out with me was with him in the second how emotional he was like the fist pumps and like Jason's not a demonstrative guy but that was kind of that emotion of the second half you guys was was kind of brought out by how he how he was working 
Yeah, uh, Jay was excellent tonight. And, um, you know, he had some extended minutes because he was playing so well. He was doing so many small things other than just knocking down shots, which he's capable of doing. Jay, Jay probably has probably has the highest basketball IQ on our team. He's an extremely intelligent guy, really knows how to play the game. Uh, he was rebounding the basketball very well tonight as well. Um, and, you know, it's funny because, you know, we talked about it in the locker room after the game with the whole team. You know, normally we're, we're going back to Allman there with yeah. about four or five minutes left in the, in the fourth. And, uh, you know, Jay and, and Wayne were doing so well on the defensive end, and we yeah. just had a little bit of a flow going. You know, we continue to run with Jay. So yeah. to be able to do that, it's a luxury for myself. And yeah. um, Khalees was – he was great tonight, man. He was he was really good. And at toward the end of the game, uh, by the time it got to this – it was pretty apparent that you guys were going to get the victory, but I could sense it, and as a broadcaster, it made me really happy because I got to make the call, but seconds were winding down. They had already played the uh, kitchen party for the Avenue Center, but I could see Jason Cleese bringing the ball up, and I could see, literally, I could see him look out of the corner of his eye and spot Freddie McSwain Jr. And Freddie was almost like... Pointing like, yeah. kind of like, should I go for it, Jason? And and we knew what was coming, and it was an alley-oop lob with the highlight reel finish by Freddie McSwain. I know that it kind of rubbed the Cape Breton Highlanders the wrong way, but that moment with the crowd wanting something to happen, uh, as a coach, do you have any issue with that? I mean, listen, we, we respect Cape Breton. They're, they're a great team. Uh, I mean, they're, they're a very, very tough team. We've had all kinds of problems with Cape Breton this year. So it's not in a disrespectful way at all. I was a, I was a little surprised that, that Jay and, and you know threw that lob for uh, for Freddie. Um, you know, again, there was no disrespect meant by that at all. And um, that was a send the fans home happy. It, it absolutely was. It you really know? Was. That was a pretty hard fought game in the second half, especially. So, you know, for Freddie to put one down. <laughs> Listen, we're trying to put fans in the seats, and yeah. if that's going to you know, get a fan excited about coming back yeah. for the next game, so be it. So Send you home happy? Is that what you're saying? Listen, it set me up for the perfect Freddie McSwain getting his duds in order, yeah. going across the water, slam yeah. dunk. So yeah. I, I was very happy with it. We may be a little biased as the home side broadcasters, but Maybe. it was fine with us. Listen, Coach, I know your food's here. We'll let you get going. But a couple of days now until you take on the Island Storm at the Avenue Center Sunday afternoon. Uh, what are the next couple of days like for you and the team? Uh, tomorrow, you know, a few ice baths, <laughs> a lot of stretching. Uh, definitely a film session, a little bit on, on tonight's game, and we'll start getting into the Island Storm film tomorrow. Um, you know, then we'll, we'll practice uh, and have more film on Saturday. And then, you know, our walkthrough and, and get ready to go on, on Sunday afternoon. That's a big game for us. You know, with a win on Sunday, we can actually clinch a uh, playoff spot. You know, which would be, we'd be the first team in the NBA to do that this season. So, you know, we want to take care of business. Um, you know, we've had some success against the Storm this year, and, and we feel if we play well, that's a, that's a team we, sh- we should go out and beat. So um, we're going to try to build off tonight's win and, and just be ready to go on Sunday. 13 wins at home. You're now 3-3 three and three against the Cape Breton Highlanders on the year. Uh, congratulations on the win tonight, and good luck on Sunday. We'll see you Sunday afternoon. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. Thanks. That's Coach Joe Salerno. We're going to let him go back and join uh, Mitch Rowley and uh, Elvin Mims and, and get some of this delicious food here at St. Louis Bar and Grill on Mountain Road in Moncton. But I think uh, I talked to Coach before the game, did the pregame podcast, and uh, there is no question that uh, he is a little more at ease and relaxed right now than he was uh, an hour before tip-off today, and why not? And, and again, Dave, uh, you know, a, a big win for the Moncton Magic on many levels. They now uh, have 13 wins at home against only two losses. They increased their lead atop the NBL standings. 
They have the best winning percentage in the league. And as Coach said, a chance to clinch a playoff spot on Sunday afternoon against the Island Storm at home. Given everything that this team has endured this year across the board with players going for other opportunities, injuries, and, and everything else that's gone on with this team, how impressed are you that this team is at 19-10 and 10 right now? It's, it, it is impressive, but it's almost, it's almost inevitable because the guys they lose, uh, the guys that come in right behind them are awfully good. <laughs> awfully good. But it's a matter of, in basketball, things are so intricate offensively and defensively, you don't understand it sometimes as, a, as an observer. Guys that are play at this level, they have an expectation of like angles and timing of things are so intricate offensively and defensively. Teams are scouted with an inch of their life, and guys know, you know, it, uh, tendencies for everybody else, and it's it's broken down. Every team's got two or three or four or five assistants to this assignments. Like this guy does this, this guy does that. On this play, if they started on this side of the floor, they're going to be looking at this uh, defensively. If we force a guy here, the next guy's got to be at this angle to stop. Like it's really intricate, and to have this much player movement and to be at the best record in the league at this part of the season is is very impressive, and they should be really proud of it and the fact that they you know uh, they lose the uh, Carson and and Herring and bring in Monday and then Monday goes and they get Trey Kell who and we talked about it on the air is by the way is there any better move in the NBL right now than Trey Kell's spin move I said it on the air I don't think there is so to bring in quality guys like that at time of time it's really helpful but yeah it's going to be interesting to see how they gel together as a group these last 12 10 12 games and not because they're literally within earshot of us here at St. Louis Bar and Grill on Mountain Road but that really is a testament to the work that the coaching staff has done as well Another really neat moment that we witnessed in the broadcast tonight, and uh, and Coach uh, Jackson gave me a heads up on it earlier in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't talk but about it. But at, at yeah. one point, the Cape Breton Highlanders had five on the floor, and they were all Canadian. You talk about Canadian content. All five players yeah. on the floor for the Cape Breton Highlanders were Canadian. And that wasn't a gimmick. It wasn't a gimmick. It was, it was not was, at all. It was, it was not at all. And then yeah. you picked up on the fact that when those five were out for Cape Breton in terms of Canadian content. At the same time, there were three Canadians on, on the, the floor, floor for the Moncton Magic. Magic. So yeah. out of ten players on the floor at that given moment, eight of them were Canadians. That really says a lot about not only the talent of Canadian basketball players, but what this league is doing to foster the growth of those players and of the game at the grassroots level in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Every every year, the, the, the level of play, the level of the quality of the players in this league goes up a little bit. And the reason, it, I mean, overall it goes up a little bit, but every year the Canadian content goes up a lot, a lot. Like it's really high quality Canadian stuff. You would never have found five years ago in this league any time that five Canadian Canadians were going to be on the floor for one team. Not a chance. Zero chance. And to your point, as you said, it wasn't a gimmick. The five Canadians on the floor... That was a unit of five that can play against anybody in the league. Absolutely. So, yeah. but it was a neat moment, and, and Coach it knew it was going to happen. It was very so, cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if our friends at the NBL uh, stats office yeah. that exists, right? Mm. If they can let us know, maybe has there ever been a moment where there's been five Canadians 
on the floor at once. Not for like ten seconds. Like they were out there and they went through. It was a shift. Yeah, it was a shift. It was a shift, and they and all five of them played. It wasn't that the only time that those guys saw the floor. Like they were, you know. But at that moment, yeah, also, I'd be I'd be interested to see it. I'm gonna tweet at them. So MBLC, if you're not listening to the podcast, I'm tweeting at you. I'm tweeting at you. So we're gonna wrap up here, Dave. Uh, final thoughts uh, as we take the next couple of days now and get ready for the. Well, bef- we talk about the island storm. Before we started the broadcast, when I came in tonight, you told me, and I had to get you to tell me it twice because I had to shake my head. Island storm and the Halifax Hurricanes tonight. <laughs> can you just recap? That right. end of game stat that you told me because the sure. Island Storm were looking good against Halifax. Well, they were up when when Samson Carter made a layup with 6:51 on the clock. They went up 97-79 on the Halifax Hurricanes in Halifax. A struggling Island Storm squad, really feeling themselves. And the next time they scored, the next time they scored after 6:51 was with 24 seconds left on the clock when Tyree Smith got a tip in, and the game ended. On a what twenty? What did I say? Twenty-five two run for Halifax to finish one hundred four ninety nine Halifax. So that would have been a real, as these guys would have loved an upset win there to make things at the top of the standings easier. But it also could probably lights a fire, would it not? Under the Island Storm to come in here on Sunday. Well, I was, so was going to we'll say see a motivated team on there. Yeah, they're going to be uh, certainly a little bit wounded on many fronts, but the ego will most definitely be a little bit wounded and. Uh, they'll be coming into the Avenir Center in Moncton on Sunday afternoon looking to uh, erase that quickly. But as Coach Salerno said, the Moncton Magic will be looking to be the first team this season to clinch, clinch a, a playoff, playoff spot. spot. So we will see you on NBLC Live Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock Atlantic for tip-off. The Island Storm visiting the Moncton Magic. On behalf of my partner, Dave Tingley, and his good friend, the Bumblebee, I'm Scott Squires, and again, big thanks to head coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic for joining us this evening on the post-game podcast, coming to you live from St. Louis Burr and Grill, the Mountain Road location, and Magic Time is proudly brought to you by St. Louis Burr and Grill, Moncton and Dieppe locations. Check them out on Facebook. Also, our good friends at the Days Inn and Suites on Mountain Road at Moncton. You can check those guys out on Facebook as well. One last time, on behalf of Dave, on behalf of the coach, I'm Scott Squires. Have a great night. And remember, friends, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Good night from St. Louis Bar and Grill. Talk to you again soon.